honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. We're good? Yes. What did you intro it with? I didn't intro it. Last time, what did you intro it? Say welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. There's intro. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. It's the same three people that you guys have heard from. The same three stupid pieces of shit that you guys hear from every time. Uh, I'm Izzy. I'm next to Diz and Q. And uh, we've been working on some cool stuff, but nothing has been more fun than getting done with working on it, going home and logging on to Xbox Live and playing <laughs> I love how our, our intros are turning into just what the three of us think about during the course of every single day. And yeah. so much less about the podcast. Let's talk about the brand of Strange on Purpose. What are we looking forward to with the branding of the podcast? I think there's a lot of cool stuff in the works. Um, obviously, um, possible events, uh, live podcasts, stuff like that. But then more, uh, like you just said, it's, it's, it's more of a brand. And the Q had said it for months uh, before we actually said, fuck it, let's do it. Um, and it's like, Strange on Purpose is such a cool name. When I reach out to these random people, um, I like always get that back. Like, how did you guys come up with that name? And I remember Q just kind of throwing it out there. Um, and we noodled on it for maybe two weeks. Um, and we were definitely we moving like a corporate giant would have. Uh, we should have jumped at it. But now that we own the trademark and everything like that, I think uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of different things that we can actually do with the brand. So I'm excited. I'm excited to create a feeling. Like a walk down the street, like Brema has like his Unfinished Legacy stuff. And it's just so dope. Like you'll see like just some random stranger wearing his stuff. Like I want to create a feeling, but also like you walk outside and you're like, damn, I fuck with you. You're wearing our stuff. You fuck with us. Like we're friends immediately. Like I want to create something like that that's so much bigger than a podcast. I think the podcast is dope. Like we're creating it right now. It's just something something bigger than that in a community. Yeah. And I think, like you said, uh, the community aspect, like collaborating, um, trying to get more people, obviously within that community to use the brand to propel people in the community to actually go and do something, uh, do what they're passionate about and everything like that. And um, to be strange, I, to yeah, be to be strange on purpose. And I, I think at the end of the day, there's podcasts out there that are completely fine with just being podcasts and that's completely fine. Um, but I think the way we're going to do it is going, hopefully going to set a standards. We're doing like we're doing ourselves a disservice by not yeah by not stepping out because that's what we're best at the story the community the the real shit not just audio audio is great but we're just we're so much better than that we've been slacking moving like a corporate giant and what's cool is how much it relates to our company's values and just the core of who we within the company also are as people and bringing people in that like have a story and you know it, it's hard to 
it was hard to explain like what our podcast is about because it isn't necessarily hyper focused into any specific field or industry. But at the same time, now with a strange on purpose brand, with the name strange on purpose, the niche is what makes you you and what makes you a misfit, what makes you strange on purpose, like all these mm-hmm. things that while we initially, I remember just my head spinning, what do we focus on? What are we niching in? What are we this, that, the other thing? Whereas it was right in front of us the whole time. What is our company? What are our core values? And how does this become a brand? And I think that we've been able to finally bring all of those thoughts together into one piece and just say, hey, it's been here the whole time. Let's just propel it and let's yeah. just like bring it out there to the world because, you know, everybody, I love what, what you know, reading the reviews and just people that, you know, we aren't necessarily familiar with just seeing their username and saying, oh, you know, I love the theme of this. I love how it feels. I love how it, you know, all those things. It's like that to me is saying we found that space. I think it's extremely dope that like there's people out there that approach me and say, hey, you guys, you guys must make a lot of money off that podcast. And complete transparency. Like we made, like we make $0 off the podcast and um, it's more, and it has been more of a passion project for us, a way for us to keep talking to dope individuals and the podcast itself could be making a ton of money, but I think it's the, the beauty in it is that we've kept it authentic. We're not pressing the money button on audible or, Anchor. anchor or anything like that we're not trying to make a few bucks here and there it's just we're trying to be us and that's what uh actually it's it's really cool we had on Derek Dupree um from the WAC and just the, he, he has an amazing personal brand that's something we hit on was just embracing who you are and and, and rolling with who you are and um it was amazing Chad is honestly what I I think it's one of the best episodes we've had just to the to date, um, and Q got ripped down a couple times in there, which did I? Yeah, I think it was like once or twice. No, I don't remember. He said something about the hat. Uh, twice. yeah. He yeah. wouldn't wear my hat, but he would use it to cover people in the rain. Not oh, ripped nice on. Guy. Nice guy. You know, I'm just not that nice. <laughs> You're just rather wary. <laughs> I'd be a villain in the story, man. Always like the the misunderstood character. You know, like Darth Vader's to uh, Voldemort's. <laughs> <laughs> on that note uh, Derek is neither of those uh, he's a really dope individual like I said earlier uh, I don't know there, it, there's so, I, so much I can tell you but I'd rather you just listen to it um, so here we go and we could sell courses we could we could do yeah. a live and this is what I see I see it, it being a live event every single year where we certify our freaking speakers on stage ooh yeah, that'd be dope and I already have the name of it. I, I'm, a too, I'm afraid to give it away right now. I'm too excited about it. <laughs> Don't say Story that. But not like you guys need more work to do, though. Story but like, there was a. Could you monitor? I saw a paid question. ad the other day. It said, "I want to be the best speaker that you can ever be." Everybody. Like I looked at the course, and it was like, fifteen hundred bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. I was I wasn't gonna pay it, but I was like, I'm gonna check this out. Fifteen hundred bucks for a slideshow, and then like, access to the per like the person's team who was doing right. it. Yeah, it, it could be Everybody huge. wants to be a speaker. That's probably the question. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And they're afraid of it. So it's that financial investment. We have the story. You guys all speak. I speak. Yeah. I, yeah. So simple, too. Not easy, but it's just it's so simple. Right. So, when I was at UW this past week, it was like, everybody thought I was just hardcore. Like, you're an amazing speaker. And I was like, 
I just go up there and just talk to you comments. guys like I talk to anybody in the office. Exactly. Mm. I'm trying to be more like Derek now, just more, here's my plan. Here's everything. Okay, <laughs> make sure we got the value because I'm always just like go with the flow. There's you know? a good and bad to that, right? No, dude. I like I'm like seriously like I I want to be more like just strategic, like intentional because people like fly and drive to see you and it's like okay I'm just gonna yeah. rant and it's not always good. Most of the time it is, but sometimes you. See, I, I I bring that part and you bring the strange on purpose part. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying? You need that to be a speaker. Yep. Like yeah. dude, we have it. Business. I've been trying to define it. Rolling. Oh, really? <laughs> I want it to. I want to, like, whenever we do a podcast now, I don't want to do, like, a hard intro, even though he always interrupts and yeah. welcome. Oh, <laughs> it's not on the bottom anymore. Last time, the mic was, like, right here, so I, like, whispered into it, so. It's really creepy. Yeah, it was Oh, my. <laughs> if you're listening now, that's Ken's voice in the background. Right. He edits the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, but Derek, thank you for coming on, man. I'm I'm geeked about this. I'm geeked to explore just everything that you don't want to talk about because we're going to dive into everything, man. That's awesome. Appreciate <laughs> you having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. You want to give yourself an intro for those that don't know who you are? Sure. So, name is Derek, right? I am from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, so way up north in the sticks, right? They did a documentary on yeah. that guy. From yes, you had to bring that up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody that's listening is listening. <laughs> I'd rather talk. Yeah, there's a instead of the making a murderer series, <laughs> I always like to say Manitowoc. There's like a bar at every corner, so you know you're in Manitowoc okay. when there's a bar at every corner. Oh, you know. So it's like a smaller. You act like you don't know. Right? <laughs> so yeah, so from Manitowoc, and I've been in the Milwaukee area since 2000. I went to Wisconsin Lutheran College. Big passion for basketball. Played basketball there. Had some amazing opportunities to do internships with the Milwaukee Brewers. First two years in Miller Park as the vending and concession assistant manager. And then internship for the Milwaukee Bucks as the, an assistant video coordinator. So you're analyzing and breaking down film for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then after those internships, the Bucks hired me full time, moved from the Bucks to Marquette University as the director of player development under Tom Crean at the time. Moved to the University of Utah, did a similar role there, started a family, was happiest at the Wisconsin Athletic Club, came back as a general manager in 2008, been there ever since, spent a long time as a GM, and then more recently been navigating that director of training and development, now the director of people where I oversee our about 1,200 team members in our organization. Nice. And then... It's a cool title. Yeah. Thank you. Director. I don't know what it means yet, but hey. <laughs> it almost sounds a, like you have a cult. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, you both work there, so you know. True, true. We're a part of it. Right. And then married for since 2006, and we have two daughters. Rachel and I have two daughters, Ellie and Mia, who are now 11 and 8. So that's the background, man. It's a good intro, man. Thanks. Mine is like, hey, I'm cute. Here I am. Right? <laughs> that's it. Awesome. <laughs> right? I have a pretty cool hat. We're a lot of black. Yeah, here we are. Let's go. And you normally are using this cup, probably. Yes. You gave it to me. It right? says this me. meeting is bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> but not the podcast. Honestly, that the podcast. was the best buy that I've had in a long time. Where did I buy that with you? I think Amazon, didn't you? No, I think we bought it. just that. showed up one day. Just, <laughs> yeah, I just showed up in the office. It was probably Chandler's way of. He just bought it and he was like, ah. It's relevant, right? leave this year. 
because most meetings aren't fun. So no, not at all. You just uh, you were just chatting on meetings, like yeah. I've heard so we've had so many people come through here, and like um, some people like meetings, some people want to get straight into the point and have it in five minutes. Yeah, this guy. Um, Are we done with our podcast then? <laughs> uh, required to be here. Right? Just no, no. I cannot be on a 15-minute podcast because Diz was on a 15-minute podcast. The last five episodes, uh, I have brought this up, and it was just 15 minutes. Diz just like got done in like two seconds. Wow. The guy hopped on, and I know I've said this like five times. He hopped on. He's like, all right, I got 15 minutes. Go. And he just <laughs> didn't say a no. word. Wow. <laughs> This is quite different than today. <laughs> uh, no, but about meetings, like, Q is very straightforward to the point. If it goes anywhere over 20 minutes, I start getting pissed off. Um, what's your outlook on those? Like, I know yeah. it's, a, it's a hot topic right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't love the weekly meeting necessarily. Yeah. I like to have a meeting for a purpose and to actually have a meeting instead of just having a standing meet on the calendar. So it kind of depends what the purpose is, but as a general rule, if it is a standing meeting, I like to have just 29 minute meetings. That's it. Because the default rule on a calendar is typically what? It's a 60 minute meeting. And I always say a 29 minute meeting is, is the most powerful because number one, you're getting done one minute early mm-hmm. and you're laser focused on that agenda. Yeah. And I've just seen results soar. We get to the point right away and we kind of move on because so many people have so much going on in their day. So I see most things can be covered in 29 minutes. 29 minutes. That's yep. a Adrian Peterson type of meeting, though. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's honestly, you trick the brain. Like you said, you're done a minute early and you're on to the next. Task, exactly. Which is really cool. Really, really cool. Yep. I'm going to start adopting that. With yeah. You ever just get meetings. up and leave from the meetings? If you just, I, I don't know. I just, I've heard of that. Know. I've really heard of that. If you, I think you told me, like, if, if you're not bringing any value, you just yeah. get up and just leave. get up and walk away. Like, yeah. what's the point? No, I feel At like least say you're going to go to the bathroom or something. So no, they no, don't just get up and leave. Right? Power. Because <laughs> then it's like you're giving your facilitator a, a standing, o- a walking ovation, basically, <laughs> if you're walking out of the meeting. <laughs> but I see that with conferences and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So if you're in a conference and let's say there's eight breakout sessions going on and you're not digging this one, I see people get up and leave all the time at shows. You know, it's hard as a speaker. Like Absolutely. it can be hard. It's like, damn, did I say something? Did I offend you? Sometimes I'll call them out. Like, did I do right. something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Please come back. You know what I call that? I, you know, I call it the rule of 5% though. You're so right. And I'm starting it. I take it personally. Absolutely. But I'm starting to train myself. The rule, I call it the rule of 5%. No matter what I think, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, yeah. 5% of people aren't going to agree with me at all. So I try to focus on the 95% of people with they actually like that I'm trying to make a difference in their life yeah. and kind of ignore the 5% of the haters. I like you that. Know? I really like that. My mindset when I'm speaking is if you get up and leave, that's one last person I have to educate. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what? You too. Get out right? Of here. <laughs> Didn't want you anyway. <laughs> that's my action item today, right? <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, how'd you get into speaking? Yeah, so I got into speaking by being terrible at it, is what I always say. I, I unintentionally got into speaking. So in 2006, it, you know, I froze on a major stage at a banquet at Marquette University, and that bothered me forever. And I finally overcame that, but before I overcame that, I overlooked so many obstacles that were in my way. 
like going back to the 80s, like I couldn't sing the scale, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do in front of my teacher without crying. Mm. I, I was the captain of the basketball team, but I couldn't say anything in the huddles. I was afraid to say something in front of anybody. So I knew if I wanted to get where I wanted to go in my career, I had to confront groups and get in front of a crowd. And it all happened really in 2009 at the Wisconsin Athletic Club. One of the general managers, we are, we are at our corporate orientation and all the GMs are there and all the owners are there and about 50 new hires are out there. And after this meeting, the owners brought us in and said, the lead facilitator is going to be taking on a new opportunity. Who wants to take over his role? And it was crickets. There was only six GMs at the time. Nobody raised their hand and it felt like two minutes, but it was probably 20 seconds. I just something made me raise my hand. Nobody in that room knew how terrified I was of speaking in front of groups. So that was the moment where I unintentionally set a deadline to get in front of people. And this was every quarter. So every 90 days we ran this orientation. So it forced me to get in front of people. I was horrible. I was a hot mess. Um, I remember there was a website called futureme.org, which is still an awesome website where you can set emails and put goals to yourself into the future. So, so like, 60 days from that moment, I said, have your slides done. 15 minutes, 15, 15 days up to the event, practice in front of a mirror. One day before the event, practice in front of your family. And again, I was absolutely horrible, but that was the moment where I got in front of it and I conquered it. And then over time, I did it more and more and more and got better and started facilitating things in our WAC University program, all these personal growth and leadership workshops. And then somebody in the audience said, you know what? I want to hire you to be the keynote at our Grafton School District kickoff. And I'll never forget that moment. Her name is Liz Kazar. And that was the first time I was ever paid for a gig. And ever since then, I just try to study. I, I study speakers more than I study the content and watch mm-hmm. their delivery. And I absolutely love doing it now. That's interesting because like if I, when I first started, I sucked like trash. And people come up to me like our latest event. He's like, has anyone ever told you you're really good at speaking? You know, it was like a panel type of thing. And like I hear that a lot, which is weird because I, I was trash, you know, and a lot of us on the other end, if we're listening and watching someone, it's like, damn, they're really good. I can never be up there. Like, what did it take from you, like from a mental, like mental perspective to get from I'm trash, I'm practicing from my family to damn, Derek was the best one at that event. Yeah. I love that question. I've never been asked that before, but I, but what I did is I, I'm bad at remembering stuff. Mm. And if I memorize something, it's going to be horrible. Like, I'll forget something and it'll throw me off completely. So I've never memorized anything. And I had no intention of not memorizing anything. But what I did is I always turned from an early stage, right, when I started, I always turned my speech into images. And I would have those images behind me. And I knew exactly what I wanted to say when that image popped up behind me. So if I have an image of me on the stage at Marquette freezing, I knew that I'm telling the story of me freezing at Marquette University. And that's how I kind of stay on track. And that's how I keep it more conversational and story-based. So I got through my TEDx, man. If I didn't have those photos, I would have been like, damn. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> they help a lot. They do. And everybody says, you know, that this PowerPoint shouldn't be there to necessarily be there for you. It should be there for the audience. And I definitely agree with that. But I do think there's some win-wins there, especially when you're starting out yeah. in speaking. Yeah. What's, what do you think, like right now, we were just talking, everyone wants to get involved into speaking. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like everyone's naive and they think, once I speak, I'm going to be able to sell my X, Y, and Z project or product or service or anything like that. Um, 
But when you first get started, you realize most of the time you're not speaking on your product or service or anything like that. You're talking about personal branding, storytelling, um, just, I mean, fashion, kind of everything out of the box, but not this specific product. What would you tell somebody just getting into speaking and naively thinking, once I get that first gig, I'm going to be able, my my company's going to take off. Yeah. I think it's the wrong focus. I think that's self-focused and... I think the best thing to do is try to make the audience the hero, right? Act like you're talking to one person and just help them. Like mine was just, just can I improve somebody's quality of life just a little bit? And that makes a difference. And it reminds me when I was starting out, Noah Rickin is the guy's name. And he was the CEO for Jeffrey Gittimer, who is the king of sales out there, big time speaker. And Noah Rickin did a lot of his behind the scenes stuff, but he also spoke a lot. And I asked Noah, I want to get into speaking. Will you mentor me? And it made me think of everybody wants to get into speaking. And his response is, I'll help you, but then you got to do it. And that has stuck with me forever because most people are asking for help and they're not going to execute and follow through on different things. Yeah. That's one thing I hate doing. I hate asking for help if I know over time it's going to be a waste of that mentor's time. Like that, that... I hate wasting my own time and I hate wasting other people's time. That mm-hmm. just pisses me off. That's, I agree. That's the biggest thing. Like people think about themselves so much like, okay, if I get, if I get this person to mentor me, I'll be able to get here. But then there's roadblocks in the way and I turn away from it, but they don't look at, damn, I wasted the crap out of that person's time. Exactly. Mentor doesn't do the work. Yeah. You've got to do the work. Right. Just like a teacher, just like a professor, it's like a friend. Like you're the only one that is in control of that. Like, yeah. it's always blown my mind. Some really freaking cool mentors. Yeah. But I bring as much value as they do, you know? Definitely. That's awesome. I think the biggest thing um, that I've seen from your journey um, really ties back, and you haven't mentioned it on the podcast, and unfortunately, I'm going to make you do do that now you just said you failed at marquette Mm -hmm. the people that are listening may not have seen your linkedin video may not have heard that story do you want to kind of allude into that yeah no i'd love to right (laughs) the face he's making right now yeah he watched the youtube clip just for that face (laughs) and i never shared this story until the day my book was published in march of 2017 that's how much it hurt me that it happened and even before I started, just to show the impact of it, that was one of the biggest reasons why I left Marquette University was because of that failure on stage. And it was 2006. We had just lost to Alabama in the NCAA basketball tournament. And fast forward one month, and it was the day of our men's basketball banquet. And our head coach, Tom Crean, is on his flip phone, and he's running in. He's busy. He's got so much stuff going on. But he was thinking about me, and he stopped in the video room. I wish he wasn't thinking of me that day. He said, Derek, I want you to give out an award tonight. The Hit the Deck Award for Joe Chapman. I said, okay, coach, I got this. And he, he kept going on his office, finishing his phone call. But he didn't know I was afraid to speak in front of groups at all. So what I did is, I, right away I was freaking out. So picture this room full of VHS cassette tapes, right? The VHS tapes. What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was right after the Jurassic period. <laughs> But before the Marie Kondo period here, right? <laughs> so out of all things, I'm surrounded by basketball all day long, but we had our men's basketball tapes on the wall. So I find those tapes and I stick them in the VHS. I'm fast forwarding, rewinding. Hopefully none of our staff comes in here because this is really embarrassing. 
I'm, I'm finding the moment where those assistant coaches were giving out that award those previous three seasons. So I found it and memorized it word for word, put it in my pocket. I even remember keeping it in my suit coat that night. So I, I remember, like you, I remember throwing up in the bathroom that day. It was, it was ridiculous. And the moment came at 7.52 p.m. sharp, my name gets called up to give out this award. And I walk up to the front and I literally forgot everything that I was gonna say. I completely froze. I just remember this death grip on the podium that I had. I shook my head and I just turned to Joe, kind of, and I said, and the award goes to Joe Chapman. And I looked down and I wanted to go back and crawl in a hole and never see any of my peers ever again. For me, it was my deepest crash professionally. And the audience was probably just happy because of the short presentation, right? But it was awful. And I always thought people were thinking about me. They call it the spotlight effect, mm. where every single failure that you have, you think that's the only thing they're thinking about. And I stayed there for one more season and I ended up leaving and going to the University of Utah. Dude, I, I want to talk about this more mm -hmm. because like I was saying before, like earlier, like now I want to be more intentional, more strategic, mm -hmm. more, okay, here's my presentation. I'll riff when I need to because I'm good at it. But up until now, it's all just been ranting. Not ranting, but like I'm just going to, I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm good at it, you know? There's been times where it's just been so bad. And I know it wasn't terrible for the audience, but for right. me, it just, that was not what I expected yeah. out of myself. And like, I get, I eat at myself for like a month, you know, it's like, damn, that freaking sucked. Like I was so bad. Everyone's thinking about it. No one's going to pay me again. Like, how do you get over that? Besides, I'm going to pick up and leave in a different city, you know, but how do you, how do you get over that? Cause you said you, yeah. you didn't mention it until you wrote the book. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so how did I get over it? You know, it's getting to the point where the positive emotion of overcoming fear and failure and frustration is overcoming that negative emotion that I feel day in and day out if I don't confront and hit that fear head on. Hmm. So that's what is becoming now. In that moment though, I knew personally, if I didn't overcome this fear, I would never be able to do what I'm doing now in my career. It was gonna hold me back forever. And that's not bad for some people, right? Not everybody wants to necessarily lead an organization or be a speaker. We all have different strengths. We all have different goals. We all have different fears, things like that. But for me, it was unintentionally raising my hand at that corporate orientation. If I didn't raise my hand at that corporate orientation, I wouldn't probably have a book or be a speaker right now. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of those. I always call it the power of one. The power of that one moment was, was just huge and impactful for my life and my career. Did you say you're naturally a good speaker? communicator absolutely not that's really cool to hear never and and i would yes. let's just go back to second grade that my teacher wanted me to give an oral book report so an oral book report you have to talk like literally <laughs> right and she said derek it's your turn you can come up now and it was on the book the tortoise and the hare and i felt like the tortoise going up there and i went up front and i said nothing and she, all I remember saying is, Derek, you can go sit down now. Damn. So if anybody out there is dying to become a speaker or if you're trying to become something else, you can learn it. Mm -hmm. You can achieve it, you know?
Where it's did real. That, like persona come from? And I'm, I'm using the word persona because that's mm -hmm. what I call like mine. But like you're really good at it, dude. Like you've got a lot of energy. Like you're very intentional about the words that you say, and there's emphasis on certain words. And like you, like I spend a lot of time just studying speakers more mm -hmm. so than the content. Like where did that come from? Like this is who I am on stage. Yeah, I think it's more who I am when I'm not on stage. Mm -hmm. Is where it came from. You know, my parents they work so hard. My dad was a carpenter. He, he built houses and built yeah, boats just in retired. his career. Yeah, he just retired. Just you just retired. met him. Yep. We call him Easy e His name is Ed. <laughs> and, my mom, and my mom has been a nurse, so she's been pouring into people's lives her entire career. So my foundation was, was definitely set. You know, none of them were speakers per se, but those skills of hard work and connecting and caring about other people and, and being organized and having them hold me accountable to a high expectation set the stage and the foundation for me to actually be on stage. So it's what you do backstage that really yeah. matters. And, and more importantly, be who you really are. And that's what you guys do an amazing job of, right? You're sharing your stories of failure already. You're who you are off stage. You're that same person on stage. Hmm. I agree. That's crazy to me. Like my they don't even know this, but it's not speaking realm. Um, it's not about speaking, but we, when we first started, Richie gave us an opportunity to jump on our, his podcast and I was nervous as crap. And like in college, like, I mean, ever since I, I literally had to, I was held back because in kindergarten, because I talked too damn much. <laughs> and that's like, that's always been me. Like I, I love talking. I've always felt comfortable, everything like that. But there was just something about Richie's podcast that I was just like, I was sweating bullets. Like wow. you can ask Erin, like she was, she was like, why are you so like, you never get like this for things like this. And I was like sweating. I like prepared the whole night, everything like that. But like it, I've gone back and listened to that podcast. I realized that I was trying to be someone other than yeah, myself. Great point. And like now I think that's why I feel so comfortable when I am on stage or anything like that. It's like, if I, if I mess up, that's, it won't, it won't be the end of the world and like it's just go up there and be myself. That's what I had to do for disrupt because I did forget everything sure. and I just went up there and was myself. It's liberating as hell when you give yourself permission to be yourself, especially on stage. Yeah. It's like, damn, there is no messing up. Yeah. Right so you on. can just like, oh shit, I messed up. Here we go. You know, like liberating as hell. Yeah. And I, and I still mess up like just on that disrupt talk. I was more nervous for that talk than any in five years. Yeah. And like, I'm trying to ask myself why. And it's because it was a different format. I was out of control. I didn't control my clicker. I couldn't play with the audience because of your time, five minutes, auto-rotating sides behind you. So it was new for me. It was a different experience. And I remember walking downstairs in the speaker lounge that day. And one of the speakers is practicing in front of two of her friends. And then I quick pulled up my laptop and I started practicing just by myself. I think they felt bad for me. And then when they were done, they're like, hey, do you want to practice in front of us? And I said, yes. And I screwed up twice, so I'm then even more freaking out because I'm going to be on stage in 45 minutes. And then what was awesome is that speaker said, you know what, I'm going to walk my friends upstairs and introduce them to a couple people. And then why don't you just do it one-on-one -on -one with me? So then I practiced in front of her, crushed it, made no mistakes on stage in five minutes and didn't make a mistake on stage. So here's the deal. Like, I do believe in practice. I do believe in repetition. But I also do believe in taking other people's advice because she's been on a disrupt stage. Or I might speak more than her. 
but she's been on this same stage yeah. before. So I was able to learn from her as well. So if it wasn't for her that day, who knows what would happen to me on that stage yeah. at Disrupt. I love that. Was that, um, I forgot her name. That was the first one, right? Um, I forgot her name too. <laughs> I wasn't there. So yeah. right? <laughs> Edit that, Kevin. <Kim. laughs> right? But she was amazing. Yeah, she was. She, her talk was really, really I mean, she, she was the funniest speaker up there. Yeah, she was. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. I forgot her name. She spoke at Madison. I know. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I just don't remember she, her name. She, honestly, she was practicing from when I had first got there at like three o'clock. And I was like, damn, she's putting in some work. I you weren't supposed to ask me what her name was. If I knew her name, I would have shared her name right away. Right? <laughs> damn it, is damn. Right? She is funny. Great. Yeah, she was one of the Can't this awesome. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> Use this as a snippet. Right. This, this is the promotional. What is her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh. So talk to me about like corporate role mm -hmm. in the, the speaking stuff. Like how does that how does that fuel on either Yeah. Way? So I'm not itching to, itching to leave my day job at all. And I love being a speaker and having a corporate job. They both help each other so much. Like being in the trenches every day, helping recruit, train, develop, have crucial, difficult conversations with 1,300 team members gives me incredible content to have on stage and to have in workshops. And it's not just the speaker who's just speaking. I've been there and I'm actually there right now in this moment, which is awesome. And I can try things, right? I can test things. And, and the other side of that is being a speaker, because the higher you go in an organization, the less you are pushed to learn and grow. Mm. So being a speaker and even doing things like this and creating videos and creating content and articles pushes me to learn and grow every single day. So on one hand, I'm being pushed to learn and grow. On the other hand, I'm in the trenches actually doing it, and they really help each other. I like that, because especially from your perspective, because a lot of our audience and a lot of people out there, it's like, hey, like I've got to be an entrepreneur. I've got to have my business. I've got to be an influencer if I want to speak. And it's not the case. There's actually more people that work for people than there are entrepreneurs. So right. I, love, I love that point. I had, a, I had an older roommate that was, and this is a different point. I'm sorry, I'm weird. Older roommate <laughs> that's like, hey, like I want to be a motivational speaker. And I'm like, okay, cool. I want to speak too. And I went and built my company, you know, I went and did something. And I don't think it has to be your own company. Like you can go work in an organization, you can go like volunteer, you can go create content, whatever it is. And he just went straight to speaking, but he had nothing to speak about yet, you know? So I love, I love just your story and your standpoint, because I think it's very relatable just for a lot of people out there. And I think working by yourself and as a speaker, it's great, right? If that's what you wanna do, go after it and do it. But what's interesting is if you look at the research on happiness, mm. With, with everybody starting their own companies, happiness levels have not gone up at all. Mm -hmm. Happiness levels have Fair flatlined. Loss, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> yes, thanks. And that, Rachel pointed it out to me too the other day. She's like, look at that, your, your hairline. Like, I, I know, you know what I mean? Seriously. Just embrace it at this but point. But I can't roll with the hat like you because then I'm not me. You just told me to be me, you. What? I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> you said happiness hasn't gone up Yeah. people started company. Yeah, happiness levels have flatlined. And I think a big part of that is because when you're working with yourself, by yourself, you're not with a team anymore. Yep. Dude, also people aren't doing what they actually want to do. They're following the, the sexy. They're following yes. the, the romanticized shit. Like building a company is not sexy. Like 99.9% .9 of it is not good. Like I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. Right. But that 1%, that 0.1%, like that 
it makes the 99 of suck really like for sure worth it. like and for people that you know humans we crave social connection mm-hmm. and human connection so it's cool about your business you're you're with a small team of yeah. people as a speaker if i was just a speaker you're on the road on the airplane by yourself you're flying back by yourself you're in the hotel room by yourself you're creating your content you're practicing by yourself so if you want to be a speaker you have to be okay being alone a lot yep so yeah yeah it's, it's a lot of work, man. The it messages, is. the replying, the, the brand building, the the more messages, like keeping up with things, a lot of freaking work and I only do it part time. Right. You know, like I can't I can't imagine doing it full time. What going back to your corporate position, mm-hmm. um, I know you do attend uh, multiple job fairs and everything like that, especially at college campuses, you're dealing with different generations as the director of people. Um Obviously, I like to talk diversity and inclusion. So yeah. I, I want to know, like, what what are you seeing between these generations that are, like, kind of, not pain points, but mm-hmm. I can't find the other term that I'm looking for, but pain points that's kind of hindering their growth and yeah. our growth as a, a, an entire human race. Yeah, I find that. I, I love the, this type of conversation. And <clears throat> I think... People that have full-time careers right now, I think we're too hard on people that are in school right now. I really do. Like, I look back to when I was in school. I was sitting in the back of the class. I never raised my hand, and I never showed up at anything outside of my class or my basketball practice. That's it. And now you have these kids that have these career fairs in front of them, and I was at one recently at Concordia University. 250 students showed up. Yeah. All buttoned up, dressed really nicely, came prepared with notes, and asked awesome questions. Yeah. So I get inspired by that. I love the preparation. But on the other hand, there are some students that didn't do that. And then when I think of generations, I'm like, you know what? I know people that are millennials who work really hard when millennials don't work hard, right? I know baby boomers who are committed to personal growth and development, who, oh, millennials are the only ones that are committed to personal growth and development. I know people that are Gen Z people that like people and they don't love technology and they're at a coffee shop with paper and a pencil. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think it's time where we get rid of the labels. I don't think it's all about age and experience anymore. We're all people. We're all unique. We're all strange on purpose. Dude, agreed. You know, like all generate, like now specifically, like we're under like this microscope because of social, like, yeah, this is everything that I'm doing. This is everything that's going on. Like, of course, like, it's gonna look like maybe we're not as lazy when before you're probably just as lazy. You know? Right. Like I, I, I freaking hate the labels. Like, and I think everybody, like the other thing, actually was with millennials or whatever, they wanna live their passion, they wanna live their purpose, they wanna make a difference. Who doesn't wanna do that? Yep. It just, I don't understand that, yeah. right? Now, if I worked in a factory my whole career, it's on the old leadership if I didn't live my passion as, as a person that worked in a factory and made widgets or whatever, it's the person that runs that company that's at fault for not making that making sure that person was living their passion and their purpose, mm-hmm. right? If I'm making oars for a boat, think about that. If I only made oars for a boat, but it's on leadership to create the story about, wow, this family went rowing on a boat every single year on the 4th of July. And they always remember the time that they spent with their parents, their grandparents, their kids and stuff. 
it doesn't matter what job you have. You can live your passion and purpose and make a difference, man. Exactly. Talk to us so, about that, like the yeah. leadership and the story. Like, how do you go about communicating that? How do you identify the right stories? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll think of numbers, right? So running a company, as you guys know, you have profit and loss statements and things like that. Yeah, there you where go. most of the hair loss comes from. Yeah, right? Thankfully, it hasn't happened to me yet. But. Yeah, loss statements. Let's take <laughs> Yeah, right? Loss statements. Okay. <laughs> But there's a story there, man. You tell me the story, right? Yeah, I'm like, man, we're winning. We're winning at the whack right now. But it's like, here, here's an example, right? So personal trainers, we're hard on. We want to we wanna grow our revenue in personal training, right? We want our trainers to train more. So we can just go in and say, we want you to train more. You're not meeting your full-time hour expectations. We want you to generate $6,000 a month in, in revenue. Or you can turn that into story and lives being impacted and share these trainer spotlights of them making a difference. That's what people want to hear. That's what people want to say. That's what inspires and motivates them to do more. If you just make it about the money versus the story, the emotional connection, I don't think is going to be there to keep going on and on and on. Short term, sure. But long term, I haven't seen results work with that. Facts. um, I forget why I read this. Maybe the culture code. They said... um, you tell a fact, like only a portion of your mm-hmm. brain lights up. But when you tell a story, like your brain lights up like the 4th of July. Absolutely. I love that. Like, cause that's, where we, yeah. that's where we connect, man. Stories make facts so much more powerful. People are going to believe the story more often than they're going to believe the fact alone anyway. Do um, you want to go rapid fire? Do you Ooh, have any rap- crazy questions? Just weird? <laughs> yeah, I'm making the bears. Are you ready? I'm, I'm always ready, man. All right, I'm hitting you with a, a really deep one to start. <laughs> I think I know what it's going to I'm happen. nervous now. Is water wet? I knew it. <laughs> Is water wet? Yes. Okay. Do I have to share why? Because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. You should because I yeah. forgot my question because yeah, right. he asked that. <laughs> you knew that was coming? I did. Yeah. I All did. right, here. You don't have to share why. Next one. Would you wear Q's hat on a daily basis? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't Me either. <laughs> I would use it as an umbrella for that person outside that doesn't have an umbrella. That's a good idea. That's what man. I would do it for. I'm not a good person, yeah. apparently. Right? Would but it's mean? not it's not me. That's why I wouldn't do it. I'll just stick to my receding hairline. Yeah. I'll just stick to being balding. Yeah, okay. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Oh well, you're thinking harder than when he asked water's yeah. wet. I've never, you know, I've never had a favorite color. I like that. I've never had a favorite color, and I have no idea why, and there's no emotional connection to colors for me. Um, Favorite basketball team? Marquette University and the Milwaukee Bucks. Different levels, i got to give you. Basketball's a big deal. Okay, okay. And the Tulsa Red Raiders sixth-grade girls Mm. club team. My daughter, Ellie. Respect. Yeah, baby. What's the best read that you've had this year? The best read? I've not read a book this year. What about all time? Intentionally. And I haven't read because I want to write. Mm-hmm. And I want to have my own thoughts, unique thoughts. And when I'm reading, I'm not writing. And when I'm reading, mm-hmm. I'm writing other people's thoughts versus my own unique thoughts. My best read of all time would be two books, one on leadership, one on personal growth. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. First book I ever read in its entirety, and I was, I was 28 years old. And then The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy which really taught you how to lead yourself and manage your life. 
How many pairs of shoes do you have? <laughs> I have six. Six. Probably it's a good number. For me. Three athletic, two black dress shoes, one brown dress shoe. Nice. Yep. The fact that you know that is impressive. Yep. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it's close to six, I don't know, seven maybe. Um, if you could put one thing on the billboard for the whole world to see, what would that message say? Live your ideal life right now. In this moment, dot, dot, dot. Don't wait till retirement. It's very, like, clear. Like that, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, all right, I got one. Um, Based that you did. <laughs> so you've been in Milwaukee since 2000? 2000. 2000. Um, what do you, what's one thing that you would like to see changed in the city? City as a whole, it could be Tosa. Tosa's still Milwaukee County. Yes. Yeah, Eliminate the segregation. Yep. The okay. boundary and all that kind of stuff. It makes me sick to my stomach. I overhear terrible conversations all the time. And if there's one thing I would change, it's that. Nice. Respect. Mm. Lastly, what makes you strange on purpose? What makes you a misfit? Damn it, I had one more. Oh, you, had, you can ask after, man. We're right, good. Cool. <laughs> what makes me strange on purpose is my daily U-zone. And every single day I wake up, and I have 90 minutes of laser focus Monday through Friday. And on Saturday and Sunday, it's 150 minutes. So I have seven point, no, I think it's 12.5 hours of laser focus every single week. And without that, I would not have written a book because I talked about a book, but writing a book is actually writing a book. And the only way to do that is that consistency where I'm chipping away every single day at whatever project it is. And to know what I'm working on during that time, I always ask myself, what is the one thing I'm putting off that's bothering me? I ask that to myself one time a year, and I answer that question, and today it's a video, so I'm spending a lot of time in my U-Zones working on that video and content creation. This next year, 2020, it's gonna be writing the book. So what makes me strange is laser focus in a daily U-Zone.